0: It is that time now once again For getting lumped up with my friends It's Rock the Mike And Rob that you should know And you'll find them here on The Rock Show Ooh, yeah, on The Rock Show Again, people, welcome to another exciting episode of the Rock Show. This is episode one hundred and ten, and we are talking about the world famous New York Doll and the making of too much too soon. And Rocker Mike, he knows one thing; he knows a lot. He knows everything about the New York Doll. He's almost like a New York Doll expert. He is a New York Doll expert. <laughs> and um, Mike, let's talk about this album that it didn't go anywhere, but it was pretty good. Well, it,
1: it, it didn't sell a lot, but it's, a, it's another one of these bands and albums that everybody bought and started a band right after they listened to it.
0: Yeah, it definitely okay, is. You know, it, it was a very influential uh, album, but you know what it is? It was an album that pretty much it was like a, I call it like an industry album. It was mostly people in the industry that bought it and listened and then made a ball, uh, I mean a band.
1: Well, I mean, they got Shadow Morton to produce it, which was a big deal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Probably the only other person that would have been bigger would have been Phil Spector. Yeah. Okay. You know, I mean, he, the Dolls always loved the girl groups, the Ronettes, the Shangri-Las, stuff like that. And Shadow Morton was involved with the Shangri-Las. He was known for producing their big hits. So, you know. It, it seems like, like, I don't know, like, like some people say the production on this album is not that good. I don't agree with that at all, man. I think it's great. I think it sounds great. I don't know. How do you feel about it?
0: I thought it was a pretty decent album. It was also a short album. Cause it only ran like 36, uh, almost like 37 minutes long. And all this, but all the songs, like the, the A side was a lot better than the B side. I can tell you that. Uh, the, the, the only criticism I give this
1: album is there's maybe just too many covers on it.
0: Yeah, you okay? were saying that. Yeah, I, I just think like... um Why did they do so many covers? Was that Ah uh, That's
1: that's a long story. You know, David Johansson, when he joined The Dolls, he always liked to do covers. And, and that sometimes was a problem in the band. Uh, but uh, the covers that they do are are you know, at least kind of obscure enough that you don't really think about them as covers, but they are, they okay? Are. You know, um you know, I think at this time when they were getting ready to make this album, uh David Johansson had kind of taken a, the reins in the band more than he had in the first album, mm-hmm. okay? And I think it's because basically Thunders and, and, and Nolan... We're, we're getting deeper into heroin. Arthur Kane was was a bad alcoholic. Uh there was always a lot of infighting in the band and the directions that the band was going to go was always a, a fight. Um I guess somebody kind of had to grab the reins a little bit. But uh you could this to me always seemed more like a David Johansson album than really uh like the Dolls' first album. Now, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I, I, I think they're both great, okay? Uh, but I like them both for different reasons. Um, the first album is classic. Uh, if anything, the production could have been a little bit better. But I actually like the production on this album a lot. And if if any criticism was around back then, it was really mostly about the production. Very mixed, very mixed. Some people loved it, some people didn't. But, um, you know, this album came out in May of 74. Uh, they had worked on it all the early part of 74. And it was recorded at the famous A&R Studios in New York City. And like I said, it was produced by Shadow Morton, who they actually got out of retirement to make this album. What do you think of that? That's
0: <laughs> pretty That's pretty impressive. And you know what? He talks about the recording. He said that the recording, like they were recording almost like fucking... um. Like, almost 24, 26 hours each day. How the hell do you recall for 26 hours? You know, the the way that Shadow Morton
1: worked with a band, okay? And he you know, he did work with the Shangri-Las. That was a girl group. Yeah. But it was also, like, he worked with Vanilla Fudge and a few other bands before he went into a semi-retirement. He actually started racing cars for a while before that's he a, came. That's Yeah. <laughs> And he, and he was known, I think he lived on Long Island, and he was he was known to be, like, a big drinker in a lot of the bars on Long Island. He was known as, like, a bar fly and, uh, you know, all that. But, but he was excited to work with the Dolls, okay? You know, um, Johansson and uh, their manager, Marty Thau, were big on him. In fact, Shadow Morton was thought of uh, to be brought in on the first album, but they ended up, Settling in on Todd Rundgren, okay, uh, who I always felt was not really a good fit, though it's a great album because the songs are so strong. Yeah, okay, but um, you know I kind of overlook a little bit of the muddier production of that album. Uh, you know, it, Johnny Thunders was always on record saying that with the Two Dolls albums, you don't hear enough drums. And that was his biggest complaint. And it's kind of true. Even with the Too Much Too Soon, there's not a lot of drums. A couple of tracks, but just not not throughout the whole record. Like Showdown has a great drumming in it because there's that whole part where he's like, you know, give me one, boom, boom. Give me two, boom, boom. You know, he does like that whole thing. And, uh, but if, it, you know, the, the production of the Two Dolls albums in the 70s I don't think they either producer really got their sound down perfectly. You know, that was always a problem because live, they were amazing. Yeah. Live, they They were were, definitely good. Yeah. They were raw. Uh, They were, you know, proto punk, man. I mean, they were just, you know, right there a couple of years before punk started all those bands that, that in in England and here in New York and some in LA uh, were all influenced by them. Now, when Morton was brought in, uh, like I said, he was in retirement. He decided to come out of retirement to work with the dolls. He thought they had kind of a they were high energy, but they had kind of a disciplined weirdness about it that that about themselves. That's what he said, and he viewed working with them as an actual challenge. That's the way you know he was kind of like that. Uh, Johansson felt. Uh, you know, he was amazing and, and wanted to work with him and all the work he did with the Shangri-Las. And he felt that when he started working with Morton, he's like, this guy is the most like humble guy. Like he just doesn't even realize he's worked on like amazing music. Okay. And he thinks he hasn't done anything fantastic. Okay. So he was very focused in the studio Morton. Um Now, the self-titled debut album didn't sell. No. Okay. So Mercury, and it, you know, I mean a couple of reasons for that. For mostly the was the album cover. Okay. If you remember, they're totally in drag, uh, which was even more in drag than they ever looked on stage. Yeah. <laughs> okay. You know. So Vane's wearing a pair of real roller skates and and he's totally made up like uh reminds me of like a French mime or something like that. And, and, you know, Johansson's got a big bouffant haircut. Thunder's, is, Thunders got like a, a total transvestite look going on. They didn't look like that. Exactly. Okay. So stores sometimes didn't want to carry the albums. Corvettes, which was a big store with a record department here in New York, wouldn't carry the record.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. And Corvette was huge.
1: Yeah. Corvettes had chains all over the country, yeah. I think, right? Yeah. Yeah. Now, um, Uh, Marty Thau and and Johansson Marty Thau being their manager Were very keen on getting Morton The rest of the band kind of wasn't They kind of wanted to do it themselves Produce it themselves But I think with a combination of the the record label Giving them pressure To have a, a, a big name producer And Johansson wanting to work with Morton Who, you know, they considered Morton before For the first album But they ended up getting Todd Rundgren they just all kinda of gave in and said, Okay, we'll get we'll get Shadow Morton, he
0: wants to work with us anyway. But Mike, um, they needed a producer, you know, they needed a producer anyway, so why 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 them imagine them producing this album themselves? Oh my god. It would have been a disaster. Probably would have been.
1: Probably. It but would've
0: been a train wreck.
1: Probably probably would have been. So it was best that they had a big name to kind of be at the wheel, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But um In the studio, Shadow Morton had a very loose kind of attitude, a very loose setting. He just let them play, and he recorded them. Yeah. And he was hoping to capture them, you know, like a lightning in a bottle kind of thing. And and, uh, they didn't do a lot of takes, okay? It was a lot of jamming, a lot of, uh, you know, Johansson was one that didn't like to do a lot of takes in the studio. Yeah. Which sometimes was a problem in the band. Uh, he didn't have the patience. Um, all I could say is if, you know, it depends who you ask, you know, some of them said that he only cared about his own vocals. He didn't give a shit about anybody else. So if anybody else wanted another take on their guitar or bass or drums, he was like, no, you know, but I don't know. I'm not going to answer for that. There was a lot of egos in that band. Now, um, Sylvain Sylvain kind of saw a problem right off the bat. Okay, there were two tracks that they recorded demos for that were not used on the album. A song called Teenage News, which he wrote, and a song called Too Much Too Soon, which he also wrote. Now, that would be the title track for the album, but uh, um, Chattel Morton decided to not use those two songs. And when Sylvain Sylvain confronted Shadow about it, he basically told him, I only listen to Thunders and Johansson when it comes to this. So Sylvain was annoyed about that. Yeah, okay? he, he was pissed. Yeah, he was pissed. Now, Too Much Too Soon is a song that would come out later uh, in Johnny Thunder's solo career. He had an acoustic album in the 80s called Hurt Me, and it's on there. Uh, He used to do it live when he did his acoustic sets back in the day. Uh, Sylvain Sylvain would do Teenage News in his solo career. So those songs had life eventually. It just took a few years. Um, The tracks on Too Much Too Soon that were used were mostly leftovers from the first album, okay? And then they added a couple of new ones and then some covers. Early band demos included versions of Babylon, who are the mystery girls it's too late and human being now those four songs i think are probably the strongest songs on the album you could probably add puss in boots maybe as a fifth but those four songs especially human being um do you recall i know you're a big guns and roses fan rob do you recall the spaghetti incident they covered human being yeah
0: that was a great that
1: spaghetti Incident was a great album yeah it actually was uh especially for a covers album. But I always thought it was cool that they picked a doll song. It was kind of appropriate. And Mike, let
0: me ask you a question. Cause I see, um, so in this, um, in this whole album, right? They, um, so, uh, David Johansson, uh, Johnny Thunder, they wrote a few of the songs. Oh yeah.
1: Now, now the way it worked usually is Johansson wrote a lot of the lyrics. Okay. Okay. That's usually was the, the pattern that they followed. Um, And then it was a group effort. You know, Thunders wrote a lot of music. Uh, One track that that he wrote specifically for himself is called Chatterbox, okay? And that is probably... gotta be my favorite track on the album, or close to it. Uh, It's an amazing song. It's the first time that uh, he was recorded on lead vocals ever, okay? Um, It was really... uh, It's just like a searing guitar ripping track Uh, one of the best versions of it that I've ever heard was when they performed it live on the Don Kirshner show okay and you could look that up on YouTube just Chatterbox New York Dolls Don Kirshner 1974 I believe Um, and it's just amazing I mean he has like you look at him I mean he's like I always describe Thunders as Keith Richards on steroids his hair (laughs) you know his hair is teased out. He's got a black leather jacket on with a skull and crossbones on the back. Nobody looked like that in
0: '74. Nah, he was unique okay? looking.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, big platform shoes. Okay, I mean, just badass. Okay, nothing. You know, it's funny. Like the first album with that cover, uh, they all look like transvestites, and they really didn't dress like that. Uh, Thunders never went for the whole tranny kind of thing he wore makeup but it was done in a i mean these guys got laid these guys got chicks there was i mean people thought they were gay but they were like so far from that yeah (laughs) it was definitely not true okay so chatterbox was written specifically for the album and uh he would eventually kind of rework that song yeah on his 1978 solo album so alone and he retitled it Leave Me Alone. But it's the same music with like some different lyrics. But I just think Chatterbox itself from the second album is is the best. You know, now when the album came out in May of 74 uh, to promote it, they released a double A-side single of Stranded in the Jungle with the B-side being Who Are the Mystery Girls? Not really a B-side. Both sides were meant... To be a single, depending on you, you know, we've talked about double yeah. A size before, how they work. Um, that was supposed to help promote the band. Stranded in the Jungle, uh, was a track that was originally done by a 50s doo wop band called the Cadets. Okay, <laughs> there it is. What do you got? Chat, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it, love it. <laughs> We got to find we got to find a way to play music on our shows. We
0: got yeah, to get that. Yeah, the one. Shadow Box. I was I was I I was uh, I was looking at it before cuz I was listening to the album. Um, you know the the do the, the, you know that um that Pushing uh Pushing the uh, Boots uh, um What's Seville, boot? which I think I think Johannes Wunderwald Seville probably did the lyrics, right? Sylvain, right? I think had a lot to do with
1: that song. Um but again, I think a lot of the lyrics probably went to Joe. Yeah,
0: because that's a pretty damn good song too. Oh yeah, there's not look, there's
1: not a bad song on that album. Okay, but "Puss in Boots" as far as an original track, uh, you know, deaf I mean, it wasn't a leftover from the first album. It was written specifically for this album. Okay, so they, they kind of, I, I, I think throw a little criticism out there. I I, I think that what happens with bands is they have such a strong first album. And when they go into the studio to record a second album, they, they kind of fall short because they don't know how to write anything again. Okay. And the fact that they had so many, you know, four really good, strong tracks, leftover from the first album i think really helped this album yeah you know what i mean and and i think that you know if there's any criticism of this album there's just there's too many covers on it i think there's about four uh i always i never have a problem with bands covering songs but if it's me i kind of say no more than two you should have hey, what was album? the
0: lineup for uh for this for this album yeah. Yeah.
1: Band members? Okay, it was same, same as the first. You had David yep. Johansen on mm-hmm. vocals. You had Johnny Thunders on yep. lead guitar. You had Sylvain Sylvain on uh rhythm guitar. Uh you had Arthur Kane on bass and then you had the great Jerry Nolan yep. on drums. That that's
0: that, that same as yeah, the first. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, that's the that's the, exactly the lineup. You know? Yep, that's the classic lineup. But oh, I always, when, when I look were... at them, you know what? For some reason, they always, they always have five members. But I always thought of them as four-piece for some reason.
1: I think everybody forgets Arthur Cain.
0: <laughs> yeah, because they got they were so they had so what they had like fucking uh, two guitars and one bass two player gu- basically. Yeah,
1: I mean that's a you know it's a typical. The Stones were the same you know and and so many bands Yeah but the had stone that. the stone okay. on these
0: four members eh No No you got you got yes, Mick Jagger,
1: Jagger Keith Richards back well you had Brian Jones originally on guitar and Keith Richards yeah. that's three you have Bill Wyman on bass and then Charlie Watts yeah. on drums Now they were always a five piece the stones
0: they always had that that two that that two guitars yeah, that tapping. two guitar thing like I think they would have done fine with a four piece serious I think they didn't who I the even stones? think the stones because the sound was so powerful don't you think uh, so but the,
1: no I, I, I mean that's an interesting question i I, I never thought of that i I, I don't think the stones would have been the stones if they didn't have two guitars no especially in that middle period when they had Mick Taylor when they were doing Exile yeah. on Main Street and Sticky Fingers. Now, nah, I, I I don't think you could have had at
0: least maybe in the studio you could have done think something. I the studio you know, they could easy they probably could have had one guy play the thing and then just put it in. Huh? Well, well, I mean the, the studio
1: is the studio, I mean Keith, Keith Richards would play bass on those yeah. songs. Okay. So it it's not that's different, but that live attack uh, the dolls wouldn't have been the dolls without Sylvain and Thunders. Like you you got to have that two guitar bouncing off each other kind of thing. If you know what, if you were a musician,
0: I think you'd get it. I get, I get so, but I always thought, you know what? You yeah, d- look at like, look at Motorhead. It was a three, a three piece band, and they were louder than anybody else.
1: Well, you're right, but Mo, but Lemmy also sang and played bass. Yeah, at that's the same true. Time. They, 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 they. You know, that's an exception, okay, to the rule. I think Motorhead is is just I, I, you know, Motorhead broke all the all the fucking molds. You know what I mean? They broke them all. But, but I, I think you know the Dolls. I don't think you could even when they reformed in the early two thousands. They still brought you know two guitarists. It just
0: it goes with their music. I guess so. I guess that's because yeah. even Guns N' Roses had that weird two guitar thing. A lot of bands were going with that five piece membership for a while. Yeah,
1: and I, you know, Aeros, Aerosmith, yeah. right? Yeah. So I mean, it, it's like, you know, I think I think you can't beat that. I think that to me. You know, like the Beatles were different because McCartney sang and yeah. played bass. Okay. So they were four, but they still had two
0: guitars. Yeah. You, you know okay, what it so is? Sometimes you, those bands had fucking um, five members, and people still look at stage and only see four.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, forget.
0: It, 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 it <laughs> I swear to God.
1: Now, I know what you mean. It's all, you know, sometimes the bass player is kind of forgotten about, you know, but what are you going to do? That's the bass player. Yeah, they get shit on. No one remembers the bass players. <laughs> but anyway, getting back to um, the album is uh, Stranded in the Jungle was the first single with Who Are the Mystery Girls on the back. Who Are the Mystery Girls was an original, but Stranded in the Jungle was originally done by the Cadets. They were they were 50s do up in. And they used to play that song live, and it was very raw, the way they would do it. And when they got into the studio, Shadow Morton gave it a really good, like, you know, production, a real slick production sound. And they were really trying to have a hit single with that. that that's the impression. Okay? Uh, but it wasn't to be. This this record didn't even chart. Okay, now in July yeah, the they, they chart tried again. A very
0: short. It it, I think it reached like one sixty seven.
1: No, the the album itself would get to about that. I'm talking about oh, the singles. single the single <laughs> oh. Yeah. So they tried they tried again in July, yeah. a couple months later, and they released. There's going to be a showdown and Puss in Boots as a single. Now. Puss in Boots was an original, and there's going to be a showdown was another live favorite. It was a cover by Archie Bell and yeah, The Yeah, that's, that's a good who, song. Yeah, now Archie Bell was known for Tighten Up. Okay, that that track. Uh, showdown was a minor hit for them around, I think it was around 67, 68, that song came out. And it was a minor hit in the R&B charts. But it's it's a great song. Now, again, the production... I think if I could pick one song that really describes the production of Too Much Too Soon, it's Showdown, okay? Uh, It it just has like a perfect, there's a lot of use of reverb and everything that's done really well. Um, The way they do the whole things with like, you know, Johansson calling off the beat, like, you know, give me one, give me two, and then Jerry Nolan is hitting the drums that many times. I did. That's that's just amazing. Now, again, it failed. Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, I you know I, they didn't know what to do with this band, Rob. The, the The record label couldn't figure them out. Mercury, at the same time, uh, for instance, they had that band Blue Ash yeah. on the label. Remember Frank Sesich? We yeah. had him on. Okay, you know, uh, and Frank told us that he met the Dolls. You know, because they were both on the same label. Uh the, Mercury didn't seem to know what to do with a lot of their rock acts. Um, but I believe Aerosmith they they pushed. They had a, a big Let me ask that. you, did
0: they promote okay. these albums album? Were they promoting this album? Or was it a failure of promotion? Why did this album I, I they like I say, I think they didn't know how to promote them. Because,
1: you know, here are these guys, they they they're not exactly Wholesome, okay. <laughs> and you know, you get you, you get them out of the five boroughs, and they and they're basically freaks, okay. So you know, you did you know they they would play places like uh, I, I think they played Detroit. They did well there. Um, Los Angeles, they did well after the first album came out. They played the whiskey. And uh they they did well there and they got a big fan following there. But you know, when they started to play smaller towns and smaller cities, they couldn't it, it was like, you know, you just that you know, it was like the punk scene a few yeah. years later, you know. People people were violent towards them somewhat. And my okay? answer do you and, like
0: the group the Detroit Cobras? Yeah, of course. That's a yeah. that's a pretty interesting group, I think. But the woman, the woman had the same problem, like the fucking uh, New York Dolls. She loved her heroin, her fucking drugs.
1: Yeah, well, what's her name? Oh I man, I gotta it. look it up.
0: <laughs>
1: all right, uh, yeah, Cynthia. Yeah, I think I that's it. Yeah, yeah, they're a great band. Um, the only thing with them is all they do is yeah. covers. Okay, but they do obscure covers, which is. You know, I mean, the Cramps did that through a lot of their career too and it, it can work, okay? Um, but I've seen the Detroit Cobras a couple of times. They're, 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 great, great. they're a
0: great great live band. Like if you know
1: they're, they're yeah, really good yeah. live. But I mean, you're right. I uh, I I've heard about her her issues. Um and look, it's a, it's an occupational hazard in that business, man. You know, and it's it's killed a lot of people, you know, especially heroin. Uh what can I say, man? You know, you go down that road, you're just asking for it.
0: Yeah, the name is Ray- Rachel Nag. Oh, yeah. Na- Nagy, N-A-G-Y. Na- N-A-G-Y. Nagy, yeah. Yeah, Rachel
1: Nagy. That's right, not Cindy. Rachel. That's right, what right, it right. is. Yeah, they're, they're a great band. Um, I don't know if she's got her shit together anymore. You know, didn't they play? Like two
0: years ago, did they you played, go? Um, I think they played the Mercury Mercury Lounge.
1: Yeah, it was like a year. Yeah, and a half we were
0: supposed so. to get tickets and we didn't get tickets, but it was like something that would have been last minute because they didn't know she was going to show up. That was the problem.
1: Yeah, she's that unreliable. Yeah, she right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was the same with Thunders through the '80s. You know, when you went to a a Johnny Thunders show. And you do usually didn't buy tickets. Usually it was like in a, you know, a club where you just walked in and pay the, the cover charge. But um, you didn't know if he was going to show. You didn't know what kind of condition he was going to be in. Okay. That was that was half the that was half the excitement It's like, you know, I remember seeing him one time. Holy shit. Saw him on Staten <laughs> Island at a place at a place called the Red Spot in on Bay Street. Very cool bar. It had um, it was a big bar. And the whole side of the bar was a a part of a Cadillac. Okay. And the bar was on top of that half of a Cadillac. (laughs) Okay. And they had the bands were in a garden area in the back. There was like a little stage that was like covered and the crowd would be covered like a gazebo type thing. Okay. In the back. And the Waldos were on and they were doing that. Heartbreakers stuff and and fucking Thunders jumps up on stage and his eyeballs look like saucers. (laughs) Okay. I never saw somebody coked up out of their mind as much as him that night. Okay. And I mean, and he did like a little ballerina tutu dance like a little, you know, with his finger on his head and he spun (laughs) around. Okay. (laughs) And then I don't know. Uh, they played their set, and then he came on maybe twenty, thirty minutes later, and he and he gave a fucking amazing show. Uh, but you know, you never knew with thunders what would happen. And you know what? Okay? I guarantee
0: you that motherfucker didn't even remember doing that.
1: No, no. I mean, it's you know, Johnny. You know, he he. I don't know. I mean, he's a perfect poster boy for just saying no. Okay, but but at the same time, you know, he lived the way he wanted to live. You know, it's that's him and Gigi
0: Adam. Oh God, damn, Gigi poster (laughs) boy. If you fucking you don't want to wind up like these guys.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. Now, do you know how the band got the title for this album? Um it's it's the name of actress diana barrymore's biography okay now diana barrymore is related to joe barrymore yeah like a grandmother or an aunt or something like that okay um the album is actually dedicated to diana barrymore too in the liner notes um she was kind of a i don't know too much about her but i i I think she died young okay and uh, the cover shot of the album is a live shot of the band, okay? And Johnny Thunders, if you look real close, he has a doll in his hand, in his right hand, okay, while he's wow. holding the guitar. A lot, of people miss, a lot of people miss that. You don't really see it because it's kind of like camouflaged in, I believe, with the bass drum. But if you look, he's, got a, he's holding like a, a full baby doll in his hand, And uh, it's just a classic. I mean, he's up on, like, one leg. His hair's all teased out. Johansson is, you know, singing into the mic. Uh, You see Arthur Kane in the back in the lights. That's one of my favorite album covers of all time. Um, It ended up being a commercial failure, the album. Okay? Didn't go anywhere. It went to number 167 on Billboard and then dropped it, you know, dropped out of sight. Uh, Mercury Records were disappointed because... It sold less than 100,000 copies, okay? They were hoping to have a bigger hit with a, a bigger you know, name producer like Morton. Now, critically, though, they were pretty well received. Uh, there was a writer named Dave Marsh who used to write for Rolling Stone, and he claimed that the Dolls were like the leading rock band in the U.S. Wow. at that point. And, uh, he was really impressed with Jerry Nolan's drumming on the album. Uh, I agree. I mean, Nolan's drumming maybe could have been produced a little bit better, but if you actually listen to the drumming, it's pretty fucking amazing. Okay. What he was doing. He was a, uh, really underrated drummer. Uh, he was jazz trained. Okay. Um, forget that if it was Chick Corea or one, I forget the, um, the name of the guy at the top of my head. If it was Chick Korea that trained him or one Ah God, I gotta look Did it up. I the bank
0: reviewed this uh, album?
1: Uh, you know what? I don't know. I I, I never noticed it because Robert Christigal was actually writing for Cream uh, so at that point. Was- and, and he and, and Christigal said that the new polished Shadow Morton sound preserved the band's raw live qualities, okay? Uh, especially in the way of Johansson's vocals and Nolan's wow. drumming, that like, and I and I kind of agree. I think Johansson's vocals are great on it, and it kind of was very similar to the way they sounded live. Okay, but again, I I think both albums they made kind of suffered in the in the aspect of not being able to capture that live sound yeah. exactly. Okay, but bits and pieces they did. Uh, especially the vocals on on the second album. Now, some reviewers felt that the album was oh, overproduced. It. Okay, um, I don't know. I mean, and I, I mentioned before about Thunder's uh, not liking the drum sounds on either albums, but I, I mean, I don't know if it was really overproduced. There's, you know, some of the songs, you got some added special effects, but I think it just goes with yeah. the music. You know, I I wouldn't really say it's overproduced. It's not more not more overproduced yeah. than the first album. You know, so I don't kind of My, agree with that. Now, why, why I bring the, the Lester
0: after, Bank thing? All I can think yeah. is, uh, wasn't it Lou Reed that he made an album just with sounds?
1: Oh, you're talking about
0: metal yeah, just to music? fuck with, just to put out. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. No, I, I mean Metal Machine Music is is you know. It's all feedback. Know, it's and Lester Max, this
0: is a classic.
1: This is great. Yeah, he he loved it. He used to listen to it every day to, like, blow his hangover <laughs> out of
0: his head. That's the only reason <laughs> I'm thinking maybe it was critically acclaimed, the, the New York Dial, but you know what? It's amazing how many times critically acclaimed just don't help breakers sales. It's amazing.
1: Uh you're saying it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't,
0: man. Sometimes when people bank say the album is bad, people go out and buy it just to fucking. They don't care about the credit. They just, you know what? It's like Guns N' Roses could have take took a shit album and critics were like, "Oh, this album." A lot of critics like Silver War, where you look at the fucking and Super War was a shit album, crap, piece of garbage. You're talking.
1: You're you're talking about usual. Oh yeah, Loser illusion, illusion. I War. think
0: Super War was one of the songs on.
1: What, what the songs are? Yeah, I I can't stand that. I I tuned out when they when they ah. released those albums. I thought that
0: dog shit. It was
1: uh, it was dog shit. It could have been maybe one good album, maybe.
0: maybe. It was two fucking okay. albums for but no they, reason at all.
1: And they charged full oh, price yeah, it was for Yeah. Remember that they caught a yeah. lot of flack for that. They did, and and I thought it was two weak albums. Well, you probably could have had one short yeah. good and album. I
0: think the critics kind of yeah. liked this album because I remember watching MTV. They did, and I say, "What the fuck are they <laughs> listening to?"
1: No, I remember when that came out. They, it was like the Second yeah. Coming of Christ. You know, it was like they they were acting like, "Oh, this is the greatest thing." They're the new Led Zeppelin. It was, was garbage. Get the fuck out of here. Was I was like, <laughs> "No, it was it was it was garbage. It really was." November. You want to hear something funny? November rain. I can't stand that song, okay? But they had that song going back from when Appetite for Destruction was yeah. out, okay? They when they were recording that album and I saw them do that at CBGB's live, okay? Wow. November Rain. And it was it was different. It was a different song and it was a little more stripped down. It wasn't this big production with all the pianos and all that shit. All right. and it just like it was a better song. They should have left oh. it like that. But you know, look, I mean, they—they they, believe me. They—they they were into their excess. I mean, these guys. I think by the time they did *Use Your Illusion*, you know, the drugs were flying. Stephen Adler oh, yeah. was out of the band. He was so fucked up, you know. So I, that's there to me. They—they really Guns N' Roses to me. You know, appetite for destruction yeah, that's is a good great, album. but. But they, but they really are like a perfect example of like how to fuck up your career when you really yeah. could have been something, you know? But anyway, I digress here. Let's get back. Yeah, to New yeah. I'm sorry now,
0: about that, but I am just to no, know because criti- no. That's why I always say, critically acclaimed does always mean that fans are gonna go out there and the fans and they love this album. They love this New York dollar album.
1: Yeah, they did. Uh, the, fan, the fans liked it, uh, but they just didn't have that many fans. <laughs> you know, it wasn't yeah. like it was going to be a million platinum seller. Um, they, well, what would happen is when the album came out they, they in July, uh, came out in May, but by July, they went to Europe to promote it. And uh, they performed at something called the Buxton Festival in the UK, uh, a place called uh, the Rock Prom Festival in London. Uh, they they had a lot of success now at those shows in 74 you had in the audience members of the sex pistols before they were the sex pistols steve jones was there uh also Mick jones yep. from the clash was a big new york dolls fan um they another band that he loved was was Matt the Hoople okay we yeah, a a you them saw those guys live yeah I did when they came back uh, two years ago that was that was amazing yeah we're good. we're gonna do a whole show on Mata Hoople in a couple of months. We got that lined up. Um, basically, after they did the the European tour, um uh, they went back and they did their second full u s tour okay and that only lasted a few months. but problems related to uh Arthur Kane's alcohol abuse and Jerry and Johnny's increasing heroin abuse. Made made the tour yeah. really difficult. Okay, there were a lot of canceled dates, a lot of conflicts with the band. Um, you know, by mid seventy five, after a brief management period by Malcolm McLaren, who went on to produce uh, to manage the Sex Pistols, um, he actually dressed them up. He changed their image. He dressed them up in red patent leather and made them play in front of a Soviet flag on stage. <laughs> Okay. They only did yeah, I mean it was like it it made no sense. Okay. And they only did a couple of shows it sounds like awful. that. Um they, they they had some new tracks uh that was supposed to be for a third album that they never set up a recording session for. Mercury was expecting them to set up a recording session for a third album in seventy five. And these guys were just so fucked up and out of it, they never set it up, so Mercury dropped them, okay? And uh, by August of 75, they were done. I mean, even the fans at that point in New York, when they did the whole red patent leather thing in front of a Russian flag, that people were like, what the hell is this? Is this serious? You know. And it was really a, you know, David Johansson is on record saying that that was a terrible mistake. Because even the Vietnam War wasn't finished yet. And people were like, you know, don't look like a commie. Okay. That's just not, you know, yeah. that's not that good. good okay? <laughs> so was not a good idea. But the band would basically implode in August of 75 in Florida. Uh, Johnny and Jerry, basically, it, it came down to heroin or the band. Because they couldn't cop any heroin in Florida So They ended up splitting And going back up to New York To do what they had to do And they just left the band And that was the end of it Johansson and Sylvain tried to keep it alive A little bit longer Uh, It wouldn't last And then uh, Thunders and Jerry Nolan Over that summer would get together With Richard Hell And start the Heartbreakers And that's that's a whole other chapter but that's it, man. That's what I got for you. I wanna, I wanna mention um, two books that, if anybody out there is interested in reading about the New York Dolls, because there's uh, several books out there. But my two favorites are um, one called "Trash: The Complete New York Dolls," and it's written by rock journalist Chris Needs and author Dick Porter. Uh, Dick Porter wrote a very good book about the Cramps as well, and I think he wrote. Something about the Ramones, but uh, "Trash: The Complete New York Dolls" is one book you should read, and another one called "New York Dolls: Too Much Too Soon," written by our friend Nina yep. Antonia, who we who we interviewed a she couple of great. months ago. Uh, yeah, she was great, and uh, those two books, if you're interested in you know the the history of the band,
0: uh, that those two really kind of. Kind of and You know what? You can probably well. get those two books on uh, Amazon. And you, and can yes, you can also get them. Yes, you know you what? Can. I think Audible, that Audible uh, thing that you can listen to the book, but somebody read. I think they got some of those books now too.
1: Maybe I'm not sure if Nina did the audio. That'd if it's great. not I'm hard, they, they they've that. been
0: paying other people to do it. So it's yeah. like a it's it's like a thing now. A lot of those books got now. Oh yeah no no i' i've I've got several yeah.
1: audio books I, I you know
0: sometimes I like that
1: if I'm going on a long trip you know in the car or something
0: I got my but, copy uh, of the Bible with uh, Morgan Freeman reading this We're fantastic
1: i i I could top that I got the the New Testament with Johnny <laughs> Cash <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's pretty good. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, he has, he's got a good voice for that, too. So yeah, the Morgan, Morgan
0: Freeman. Freeman, I wish it was the guy from Star Wars, James, Um, James, oh, uh, 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 uh yeah, uh, welcome beta. to Verizon, James Earl Jones, yeah. James Earl Jones, he just yeah. turned 90, you know, he turned 90, he also had, like, blood pressure, he's diabetic, well, you can't kill him, he's just <beta>. Hey, All right, back. Mike. He's so, back. how can people read you? And uh,
1: you saw Parter's back. Yes, I was going to tell everybody. Hey, you Parler got to get is back. Phone on, can you it. get it back
0: on the phone again? Oh, I got. Yep.
1: I've been, I've been posting it on it again. Yeah. Um, Parler. I'm on the Rocker Mike. I'm also on MeWe under Mark uh, Rocker Mike. I'm on Clout Hub under Rocker Mike. And of course, Facebook under Michael Baker and also the Rock Show podcast group page. Check that out. That's where we talk about and all these great bands. We post everything, and every day I've got tons of music I put up. Uh, in between fixing phone lines, I'm always. Posting hey, can something. I tell you
0: something? I put up the Zappa one, and uh, somebody on Twitter from Zappa Group liked it. Like the Zappa one, um, Twitter account. They like Yeah, I'm. I'm
1: I. I I I was part of that when I was on Twitter, but I'm still yeah. They
0: they they liked it, so it's like somebody from Zappa's camp liked it because it's like his Twitter account. Yeah, we gotta we gotta spread that one around, man. Zappa's got a yeah, lot I of yeah. I put fans. the video up on YouTube, so if you go uh, getting on top on YouTube, you can see that Frank Zappa is just up. It got a, it got a few views yeah. already, so you know it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a slow burn. It's like a, a Gary Glitter still killing it. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, and and keep an eye on the straight yeah.
1: cats one. Okay, I, I actually sent that to Brian you, Setzer on his page. You okay? want to hear I'm something funny? <laughs>
0: um, the uh, Joy Pinter. Somebody gave you a great compliment on the Joy Pinter interview again. We oh, that one. People love that interview still to today.
1: Yeah, really? Okay, uh, what they, they say said. that
0: great interview and the host really sounded like he knew what he was talking about, which is it's always a compliment. <laughs> Yeah, that is that yeah, is. So I I appreciate great. That. If you go on if you go on the on YouTube, you can find it. You'll see it. You know.
1: Cool, cool. So where can uh, me, we find you? You can Mr. find Rossi. me on
0: any uh social media platform that got getting lumped up on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and um uh, pretty much, and on Twitter. And you can also find me on um, parlor as uh, Rob Rossi, so I'm all over the place. Um, putting stuff up and um we're also uh we're moving forward with the rock show um the YouTube account is doing pretty good it's on fire, and uh, you know what the show's actually doing pretty good and um we got uh cool. we got a bunch of great shows coming up um and uh these making of these live albums they're pretty bad this making the making of these albums is pretty interesting the backstory you know
1: I- yeah, I mean like for instance, next week, I know we're doing r e m you know how, how I first feel about. I- yeah, no, you know what? And what I'm going to say kind of addresses, I know how you feel. I know you don't like them. But I, I think that like R.E.M. has a couple of really good albums and then some total garbage. So when you when you do a making of a great album, it, it just spotlights yeah. that, you know? I'm not sitting there going, oh, you know, they're the best band in the world because they're not. But when they came out in... You know, in the early '80s, with that, I, 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 was paying attention. It was, it was something. I'll go into it next week, but you know, it had like a '60s garage throwback. We'll talk about all that.
0: That's funny, man. Right?
1: Yeah.
0: So it should be interesting yeah. next week.
1: I think so. I think so. And then April, what do we got coming up, DJ Ah, uh, John John be think. great, man.
0: That's going to be great. You know, so
1: up. Yeah, yeah, we got a bunch. Jesus and Mary Chain. I'm
0: pretty, I'm pretty psyched about the Jesus and Mary Chain because they're another band that, another, another weird band. They, for some reason, I always compare them almost to um, to the uh, what's it called the, the Cramps.
1: Well, that's funny you say that because I, I've seen the Jesus and Mary Chain live and they always cover new kind of kick. By the cramps.
0: Yeah, it's 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 funny. Like I, for some reason, it's... they they're definitely influenced. Yeah, by they're cramps, like they're absolutely. just like that weird fucking band that. But they're good, you know, they're really good. Yeah, and I just finished
1: a uh the bio on them a couple weeks ago called uh, "Barbed Wire Kisses." Just in to prep myself for the show, and there was a lot of things I didn't know about them definitely definitely some some stuff I'm gonna shed light on on that
0: that sounds good. To a good one so everybody out there it's all right to the millions of people that are listening or not listening remember don't get drunk we'll see you next get week. Low. podcast you will hear That will be music to your ears You'll learn about bands you love or may not know And it's only here on The Rock Show yeah, on The Rock Show yeah, on The Rock Show Don't tell your friends Get lumped up on the rock show